0: What is happening, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Monday Morning Blues. I'm your host, Christian Hanson. As always, I hope you all had a great weekend. My weekend was atrocious. Atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. It all had to do with Friday night. But I'm not going to elaborate on that because this is not the time or place to do so. We're here to talk about music, right? Right. So that's what we're going to do. If you want to listen to me rant and rave about my Friday night, you can go do that at the Christian Hansen show sometime this week. I'll push out an episode about that night, but this is the Monday morning blues. We're going to talk about blues, jazz, rock, and Southern rock music because that's what you're here for, right? Exactly. So, um, yeah, great weekend. I hope y'all had one. Not me. I didn't have one. It was atrocious. You knew that though. Um, But this week we have the incredible Zane Carney on our show. Um, And I don't, I mean, I say that all the time. But this, I mean, Zane is just a wizard, a guitar wizard. Um, Interesting story. So uh, when I started the podcast, it was actually March of 2019. Shockingly enough, I know. It was actually two years ago, or that would be a year ago. I'm losing my mind here. But uh, yeah, I started in March of 2019 when I was at Waubonsie Community College. Um, I was in an intro to radio broadcasting class, I think it was. And we had to do a podcast for a project. And I interviewed Aaron Coburn, who I actually just interviewed again a few weeks back on the show as the the project interviewee. And uh, I had fun with it that time. And I was like, you know what? I know this is just for a project, but what if I keep doing it? Right? So I did. I did another episode after that with Aiden Skinner, who he also just came on again recently in season one. And uh, then I reached out to Zane Carney and he's like, sure, man, let's do it. So we're, I was going to have Zane on actually in um, March or April of last year, but never happened. And honest to God, I'm thankful it didn't because it wouldn't, have been as good of an interview as it was last week when I talked to him because or two weeks ago when I talked to him because I looked at you know what I prepped for at that time and it was just atrocious shit was out of order it was just a mess so I'm so glad that I waited and that we waited because I you know I would text him um you know, back and forth, like when he came to the House of Blues in Chicago, back in August of 2019, we were going to, you know, do the interview in person, he was going to come over, we were going to record it in person, boom, we're going to be great, but I'm so glad everything, you know, played out the way it did, because I had so much fun, interview was just remarkable, um, yeah, I, I had such a blast, and not to mention, he did this, uh, if if you were tuned into his twitch uh, twitch tv so it'd be twitch.tv uh, forward slash saying um, if you were tuning in uh, it was i think this november 30th we actually did the interview um we did it live i've never done a live interview before because i'm i'm horrified of running into errors and mistakes i think i did pretty well um but yeah it was a live interview so um if you were fortunate enough to see it live cool for you um that was fun but now here's the audio version of it and we do have the video version up on our youtube first ever video interview on the show like history it's insane it was so much fun it's up there now check it out but uh I'll let you know a little bit more about Zane really quick before I get to the interview. So, uh Zane is dubbed the future of electric guitar by the Huffington Post. Pretty badass, yes. Uh singer-songwriter, Grammy-nominated guitarist most known for his work with John Mayer, Avril Lavigne and Broadway's Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark and LA-based rock band Carney. Uh, Zane has worked with countless icons including Bono and Edge of U2. Uh, David Foster, Justin Timberlake, and Don was, And has shared the stage with Steven Tyler, Jackson Brown, Stevie Wonder, and many, many more. It's fucking insane. Come on, man. That's This is awesome. Uh, he's headlined shows in Japan, Australia, Korea, Mexico, Europe, and many cities across the USA, including his hometown, of New York City and LA. And his former Interscope signed band, Carney, was lauded by industry greats, including Jimmy Ivan and Bob Lefsitz while opening for everyone from U2 to Government Mule to Fergie. That's called diverse. Like, I mean, come on, look at that variety there. That's freaking awesome. While Bono even has referred to Zane as the best guitarist in New York, it's clear that Zane's passion for singing and songwriting is gaining equal buzz amongst industry greats and fans alike. This notoriety has opened many new doors, including co writing on Avril Lavigne's album, Head Above Water, and opening for Johnny Lang across the globe. And that's where I met Zane for the first time. Uh, backstage at the Arcada Theater in St. Charles last February when uh, he came and played at my place of work with Johnny Lang. But uh, Zane is just, he's just amazing. And you're going to listen to the interview. It's going to be right now. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on Spotify and iHeartRadio. Enjoy my interview with the great Zane Carney. All right. Awesome. Well, um, I guess first and foremost, I'm so glad we finally made this happen. I remember I started the podcast actually it was March of 2019 when I was at uh, community college and I reached out to you and you said, sure, we'll do the podcast then. And like it never, never actually happened. So it's been we've been kind of playing phone tag with it. And now here we are. So that's right. man. Absolutely. Excited that we were able to come come back around and, and make this happen. So first and foremost, just how have you been?
1: Man, I've been good. It's I mean, I think part of the reason it's been hard the past year as as we all know is this weird pandemic changing yeah. things so crazily. Crazy. But um I'm really grateful with with how life's gone the past 6 to 8 months and I'm aware of the privilege I have in in being able to uh have had an okay couple months. I'm hoping things get better for all of us right. very
0: very soon. But
1: mm. yeah, musically I've I've done more this year than I was expecting, which is really? very odd.
0: Yeah. More like studio type of work, obviously. Yeah,
1: a lot more r- remote recording sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did some work, quite a bit of work, at a couple studios in LA with COVID oh, wow. restrictions. Mm-hmm. So we did that, a record with a wonderful friend named Comrade Sewell. Nice. Um, and um, yeah, I've been doing this Twitch stuff, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, later. But right. uh, that's been a really fun way to stay creative and connected for it to Six days a week online with
0: people. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you've got you've got a great setup. I've never done one of these before, so this is new. Um, so yeah, it's this, this kind of exciting. I'm kind of anxious, certainly. Um, but yeah, this is this is awesome. Now, when stuff really started to hit the fan for you guys back in March, mm-hmm. I mean, w- at what point did you guys collectively, your group and um, people that you you'd play with, kind of say, okay, maybe we should pull the trigger on this? on this thing mm. pull I mean, the trigger a tough, yeah like on stop playing because i know right um when i talked to the zappa he said that it was it was hard because there was one show they got to the venue and they had everything set up people were right. there seats were filled they said you can't play they go we're playing like right. it, for an artist it had to be hard to be like okay we're done we're just gonna sit it out and see what happens how did everything unfold for you guys?
1: Yeah, man. Well, What's weird is it started a couple months before the pandemic. We had a mm. few canceled shows for Johnny wow. Lang, who I see in the background there. Yes. Um, yeah, there were a couple of, of different family engagements and things that had to be changed. Mm-hmm. And so we canceled our final three shows of 2019 wow. with Johnny. And I thought, okay, well, this happens. Tours cancel shows all the time sure. for a plethora of reasons. Sometimes the venue has, has to cancel because mm. they didn't have the, uh, the the infrastructure they thought they did. And mm. sometimes they're really sad about that because they right. sold out tickets and they, oh, sorry, we can't do it. Um, so that happens from time to time. I thought it was business as usual going into 2020, um, but I had already planned not an exit from music, but an augmentation or, or an augmenting oh, my of my music career. Really? Yeah, so I was getting back into acting uh, September of last year, auditioning more and and doing that. And so I thought, well, these shows are being canceled. 2020 Mm. is going to be the year of re-emerging as an actor. So this is great. Fantastic. Mm. Um, And to that point, I got cast in a show in Los Angeles. It was Hair the Musical at the LGBT Center. Oh, wow. And I was playing Claude in that show. So we were just set to open, and the pandemic hit 11 days before we opened. So Yeah, that was, that was tough. I mean, I was really excited about getting back into acting and I still am. It's still very sure, much something yeah. I'm I'm exploring and doing, but yeah, it was very odd for me because I was really interested in that transition and mm-hmm. I didn't get to have it happen exactly the way I was dreaming, but sure. man, my problems are very small compared to what everyone else is going through. Um, and then, yeah, as far as, as far as music, there was also a gig I had a private gig with a band I have Mm-hmm. Um, called Evan and Zane, and we were supposed right. to play this this concert in um, not San Luis Obispo, it's in um, shoot Santa Clara County, I think. Okay, up in the north. Yeah. Anyway, the first nine cases of serious spreading of COVID were right. in that county. Oh God! So we had a gig on March 11th, and they canceled our gig on March 9th. And no as you know, in the music industry, private gigs are you know merch touring, private gigs. Those sure, are kind of How you make a yeah. living? So it was it was a pretty big blow. So yeah, there was there were some challenging things, but. Man, we'll talk about this throughout the interview. I've, absolutely. I've been so lucky to find an audience online that's been there with me through this mm-hmm. time. I'm very lucky.
0: No, no, absolutely. And the crazy thing is I remember, too, you you kind of did have a break, too, at the start of the year, too, because I think Johnny actually, I think he came down with vocal. He had vocal issues. Right. Um, so that kind of put shows kind of, it was a little bit slower at that time, too. But uh, Right, right. Uh, no, it's just absolutely crazy now. I always find your backstory just rather interesting like Hmm. it's it's like everywhere like there's not it's what don't you do that's that's I'm I'm a
1: chaotic neutral (laughs) yeah (laughs) I I mean it's
0: it's nuts I mean you started from what I understand as you act acting was something that you really wanted to do and then you kind of shifted towards music what sparked that shift That's a
1: great question. Um, I was a 12-year-old or 13-year-old kid, and I Mm -hmm. really loved school. And this is a true story. I told my mom I loved math, I loved science, I loved history class, and I was just having a hard time going to auditions and doing my studies. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, I didn't have a stage mom, so there was no pressure to perform or act. Yeah. Um, So I remember on the day to my final audition for a film called My Giant, which I ended up booking and doing, on the way to that audition, I asked her if I could quit. and I'm talking, it was, an, it was a question to her. Oh, Immediately the answer was, there wasn't even a yes. There was a phone call on her end to my agency saying Zane's quitting. Um, I just felt like it was too much. I was taking on too much. And I, I don't know. I wasn't even trying to do anything that's morally superior or right. obviously career wise, it was to some people a mistake, at least my agents at the time. But to me, it just felt like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And through that, I started really focusing more in jazz band class. Mm -hmm. This is a true story. And then that's how I became more of a guitar player. I was just studying. I liked learning. Yeah. Yeah. No, I
0: I remember a 2016 interview. um, You were quoted saying that you considered yourself the black sheep of your family musically, um, as far as. um, (laughs) Because of being the jazz guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, elaborate on that. I mean, was it, as far as interest and likings go, was it really that polar opposite?
1: I was being hy- hyperbolic a bit with that statement, but but we grew up, you know, it was Elton John a little bit in the house, definitely yeah. a lot of Billy Joel, some ABBA. I mean, I'm giving away my parents' tastes in a, in a way they would not appreciate because they were mostly <laughs> Beatles fans. They had really great taste. But they also played this sort of 70s, 80s sure. uh, singer-songwriter music. Um, Joni Mitchell was sometimes in the house. And yeah, there was a lot of that great, deliberate songwriting stuff going on what I gravitated towards was Mariah Carey and Boys to Men and Jordan Knight and oh, wow. Michael Jackson and more R&B music, which they loved as well, but it wasn't as dominant in our house. So yeah, I think I at that age, I didn't know that the reason I loved R&B music was because I loved jazz music. Mm-hmm. I just knew, oh, I like these riffs and I like how these chord changes make me feel, but I didn't know what the chord changes were or why they made me feel that way. It wasn't until I was about 13 or 14, I started studying music theory and oh, wow. I realized oh, Jordan Knight's um, single from the 90s or early 2000s is literally the same chord changes as Autumn Leaves. It's just, it's in 3-4 instead of 4-4. Four, four. Wow, yeah. that's, what? So those light bulbs went off right at the beginning of high school. And that that really made me focus even more on music and more on guitar. Because at the end of the day, my, you know, you, may, you you said it in a really interesting way that there's sort of this, not chaotic, but there's this sort of but random. Shit. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a lot of random stuff. My story's kind of, um, Octopusy, and that's not a phrase. <laughs> what am I trying to say it's like an octopus I, I so, know what you're trying to say yeah I'm trying to say so um there are many tentacles to it and I um yeah I what's the point I'm trying to make oh the the common thread for all this is I, I'm right. very curious and I love learning so mm-hmm. that's where music kind of came in in high school I had an opportunity to learn in a music class and I I grabbed it by the horns as it right. were no
0: interesting yeah and I think the thing that um what's kind of cool too is you ended up going to actually pursue school for that. You went to USC's uh, Thornton school of music. Um, was it, why, why that choice? Like, was it, Hmm. were you dead set on that? Or was that just like, Hey, I'm a fun question.
1: I don't know if I've ever answered that. That's a, that's a cool question because I was not dead set on it. In fact, two or three months into my studies at USC and Mm -hmm. I studied at the Thornton school of music for Mm -hmm. studio jazz guitar. Uh, I, I was going to quit music and get back into acting. I had called my agents at APA. Mm-hmm. I had a, um, pretty serious skin problems in high school and they'd finally oh, cleared up in college. Oh, wow. So I thought, all right, well now I can act again. Let's get back in acting. <laughs> so even as a music major at college, I was not convinced I'd be a professional musician as a career. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I'm not quite sure when that shift really happened. It must've been over that summer, uh, between freshman and junior and, and sophomore year of college. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I went to USC because there are two reasons. One, I had applied to Juilliard, didn't even get an audition.
0: Really?
1: I yeah, I applied to University of North Texas, and I think I got accepted. I don't quite remember. Well, that's but, an um, interesting one. And that's exact because it's very sight reading based. <laughs> it's a very hardcore guitar program. Um, and I ended up choosing UC, USC out of three or four schools. Mm-hmm. Or no, seven or eight schools that accepted me. Most of them were the UCs in California, you know, UC Irvine and UCLA, and I right. got into all the UCs. And then I got into USC, University of North Texas, and I think maybe Berkeley or something else. Yeah. And I just had this gut feeling that being in the town where music's actually made was more important than going to Texas or Boston and being away from the action for four years. So. sure stayed in LA, figured, well, I can do both. I can play gigs and I can learn. Yeah. And it it, it really worked out well for me. I'm very grateful with, with how it worked out.
0: No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, with, with the acting thing as the backup, I mean, it, I think you made the smart choice to kind of get right. yourself there. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that because I think you, you were at uh, USC, was it like 2000? 2003 to 2004.
1: 2003. Mm-hmm. Wow. But what's weird is I'm still 19 because I live in Hollywood. Yeah, there you go. No,
0: it's the truth. I mean, that's what it is. The thing is, though, too, is being in your position now, if you look back, how much harder is it to uh, make it in that Hmm. area? I mean, because the cesspool of people has grown. It's just like a guitarist. You could lift up a rock and find a billion of them.
1: Yeah, it, it, which is the beauty of something like Instagram. There are so many great guitar players that I mm. think a lot of us didn't know about because right. they were living in Wisconsin. They were living in Iowa. They were, li- and Now it's like everyone gets to have a seat at the table. Thank God. Mm. Um, I prefer to live in a world where I'm very small and not notable, but I'm surrounded by great art because I think that's one right. of our greatest, most important achievements as humans is mm-hmm. our expression of togetherness through oh, yeah. art forms. Um, so it's exciting to find out every year. Oh, there's another 19 year old girl living in Spain. Who's the most killing classical guitar right. player. And there's this kid over in Germany. who's just what, how are you, how do you know how to play like this? These the amazing new bands, Polyphia and Covet and that kid, Gabriel, Gabriel Garcia, I forget his last name, but just these incredible new sounds mm-hmm. and styles. So yeah, I mean with, with acting, it's challenging. Cause I think the hardest part with acting is getting your foot in the door, getting auditions. Sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas with music, you can just put up a thing on Instagram and it grows if you're impressive. Yeah there's not as much of a market for just putting up monologues on Instagram and having people, you know, appreciate them. So you really kind of got to get auditions and get in with casting directors and develop those relationships, which I've been trying to do even during this pandemic. So it's, it's an interesting time as an artist and yeah, I'm, I'm just, I feel very lucky to have a few different creative outlets because I I think diversity has been my saving grace during this pandemic being able to just, Oh God, I'll try that. I'll try this, Mm
0: -hmm. you know? well i think you have to career-wise too even pre-pandemic it's something that needed to be done Mm -hmm. Um, the thing that i found interesting though when you did carney um that i mean when you did that it was brother i think it was interscope was right you were signed to you how did creatively how did that work because you sang that musically you were kind of uh, out there and i mean now you how did you come together and create on kind of a level that you could both agree on hmm. uh, and not fight over like piranha. I mean, that's kind of hard when you come right. two different backgrounds. How did you find that sound that both pleased you guys?
1: I think there were a couple of things that helped us. One is I'm the younger brother. So sure. I could not run away from my older brother's influence. And I mean that in a positive sense because he's an absolute musical genius. So right. when he would dial in his tone, I was a jazz guy, right? I'd turn my tone knob off and that's sure. what I did. And he'd be dialing in the mid range specifically in the trebles and, I would watch him and I'd study and go, huh, oh, I might try that sound. And then the next day, mm-hmm. suddenly I sound like Johnny Greenwood when I've never played like that, purely because I was inspired by these tonal shifts that I saw mm-hmm. him doing. Um, he inspired me by getting me into John Bryan and really deeper Beatles cuts and, and all that. And and so, yeah, we did share a lot of, of similar um, interests, uh, but also I think the band became... Uh, a little more singular because of our differences mm-hmm. of uh, of approach. So for example, there's a song called Amelie on yeah. our record, and that's sort of a genreless song. It's sort of Les Paul, sort of Django, but definitely rock and roll. And there are a lot of different genres there. And my brother wrote that song after sort of seeing me grow up into my jazziness. He's Whoa. like, you know, I want to write a song that shows you off. So he wrote that song. Um, so our, our band was influenced by... My ideas, and then the cool part in Carney was my role was lead guitar player and very sparingly co-writer. Uh, towards the end of our band, we were co-writing more, mm-hmm. but in the beginning, it was just reeves songs, and I was the lead guitarist. But on our recordings, I'd do three, four, five, six, seven guitar parts sometimes, oh, wow. and I would also do mellotron parts with my brother. We, you know, kind of co-produce the record together and piano ideas. And so, my jazz foundation really allowed us to have limitless expression with our orchestrations and arrangements. Sure. So if we heard an idea and I said, well, the song's in G major and I'm going to play a C sharp on this guitar and then an E natural on this guitar and neither of those notes mm-hmm. occur in a G major triad, but they will create a sixth interval yeah. that allows the sharp 11 to, th- th- you know, I'm not, I don't normally just talk music about period. it. In the You're just penetrating yeah.
0: my, my skull right now. Yeah, yeah.
1: Period. but just trying little things here and there that I knew would bring out the flavor of the dish. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that that really helped our band, I think, communicate Reeves' already otherworldly brilliant songs. Mm-hmm. So, oh, whoops, it's, there's something popping on the screen. Oh, there we go. Cool. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, I think having those differences of opinion is the beauty of the band. I mean, not to mention the fact that John Epcar, our drummer, and Aidan Moore, our bassist, also came from very different backgrounds. Sure. John came from sort of a, I don't know, I mean, he had so many things he was into as a kid. He went through so many phases, from mm-hmm. Dave Grohl to... to uh uh like punk rock like hardcore music Mm -hmm. he was into all these different things and he brought that aggression into our band and then our bassist Aiden is the funk master he brought all this he was in a band with with Ronald Bruner back in the day called uh Young Men it's like R&B pop like he's just had a whole different experience as well and so those four different uh things are what created the sound of Carney and yeah yeah I'm very excited about about the fact that i was involved in that band and i hope sure. one day we get back
0: together and, well, and do something be. i mean the, the opportunities that came from that's insane before insane. i get yeah before i get on to that i mean since you mentioned on you know that one song being considered genreless, hmm. this is a question that i always like to bring up as far as classification goes in the industry as soon as you come out with a record everyone wants to know what you are right so for guys like kenny wayne shepard He always said, well, yeah, the blues is what got, that's what made me, made the name for me, but I'm not, I'm a musician who will play country or Southern rock, maybe heavier rock. I I would classify myself as a musician more than a blues musician because you don't want to pigeonhole yourself creatively in the industry's eyes. Has that been a struggle for you and how would you kind of, I mean, how would you identify your sound as a whole?
1: Hmm. I'm very lucky that I haven't struggled with that question. I know a lot of young guitar players, even, even guitar players around my age do struggle with that. How am I going to market myself? Mm -hmm. I I don't know why I I struggle in so many areas in life mentally. I obsess, Mm -hmm. I get hangups. And yet in this one area, I feel rather free. Um, maybe similar to a chef, if they made a dish i'll let someone else decide if it's a french italian dish or an italian french dish or a Moroccan. Mm-hmm. it's like i don't I, how does it taste to your mouth do you enjoy the flavor that's right that's more my concern um I, with Carney, we used to joke that this genre of our band was mysterioso i, I came <laughs> up with that i was like i don't know it's because it's nothing yeah. i don't know what it is um my, when it comes to my playing it's funny i mean a lot of people don't know that i've recorded on not not too many records. I'm not a huge studio rat. I toured mostly because I had Carney, and then sure. we'll get to the mayor and the legs oh, and all know. that I stuff. I can't
0: wait to that part.
1: Yeah, but so I've done mostly touring and live performance. Uh-huh. I I was out of town probably 220 days a year on average the past 15 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not joking even. Um, and four of those years were in New York City where I didn't have a studio because I was doing a mm-hmm. Broadway show. But yeah, just a lot of time out of town. So. Um, but still, I've been lucky to play on quite a few records, and if a producer needs something from me and has an idea of a genre in mind, that helps me lock in onto what I can do to support the artist and support the producer okay. in that song. But that being said, a, a lot of times people call me because they want me to do whatever it is I do, mm-hmm. and I've never quite gotten a clear idea on what it is I do. I, Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, because I... I can kind of play the blues. I'm 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 best at jazz. That's definitely oh. my strength, but I'm not that good enough at jazz to, like, you know, there are a lot of Instagram guys right now who do straight up bebop, and I'm not actually that good at that. People think I am, but I'm actually not. Um, my Django-type playing is not Django-ish. My West-type playing is certainly not West-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my number one thing is I love flavors and I love combining them in ways that make me excited. And oftentimes those are outside of genre, but I'm never trying to be subversive. I'm never trying to say, oh, let's make this classical, but Lana Del Rey, let's make this jazzy, but, but not West Montgomery. I'm just going, oh, I love how this C sharp sounds when my tone is down this way combined with this triad. I love that. What, what is that? I don't know if someone else can decide for me, but I just like that feeling. Sure. So that's always been my I, it comes back to that first answer of, uh, as a kid, I gave up acting because I loved learning and curiosity. Mm-hmm. My curiosity is what guides
0: whatever people perceive as my genre, if that wow. makes sense. No, 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 totally. That That's crazy. And to get on, I mean, the, Carney, you that group, I mean, just from, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it, from you 2 Fergie. I mean, when, right. when, when you found out that Bono said that he's your best uh, guitarist in New York is you. I mean, what's going through your head? You're like, you're calling BS right away, right?
1: Yeah, well, just because I was what? Well, first off, I told our manager that in confidence, and then he put it in my bio to so the point where now it's basically <laughs> permanently online. And I was saying, dude, this is just a thing he said in yeah, front of like, an editor it, yeah. at Rolling Stone. It wasn't like an on-record yeah. thing. So maybe if he read that, he'd go, what the heck, Zane? But yeah. I do not feel that I'm the architect behind everyone sure. knowing that. Um, I've left in the bios recently because it already was so proliferated. I went, all right, I guess I'm just going to embrace this. Right. And there've been other things people have said off the record that I haven't put, because I don't have that manager anymore. And I'm like, I just want to be careful with that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to like make people think that I'm trying to latch on to them. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. And um, by the way, quick, funny story that turned into me going, going to Japan and I was doing headlining shows of my own. And it's funny. I mean, I, I, I'm not signed to a major record deal. Mm-hmm. I haven't released a new record in six years. I've been right. busy with other artists that I've been you know, working with and trying to help their vision come to life and all that jazz. Um, And to be frank, I I haven't prioritized myself the way that I probably should have, but that's okay. But what I have done is a lot of live shows as a solo artist in LA, Nashville, New York, Canada, Mexico, Japan, all that. Um, And so I was in Japan and the posters they had made in Japanese said, Bono says best guitar player in New York. And it worked. It got people to come, but I said, oh "Oh, God. And people were chanting like, do a U2 song during the set. I said, I don't know any. So... I ended up learning one on the spot during a show and now I do that song most of my sets. which is still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yeah. But anywho, um, yeah, I, things like that were really meaningful to me and I don't quite know why people feel that way about me because I don't know. I I've never tried to be the master technician and I've never tried to be, uh, the tone perfectionist. I mean, I care about all these things, but I, yeah. I just follow whatever the day, Makes me feel like I want to follow, and it's cool that that's turned into people liking my playing. That's that's pretty special.
0: Yeah, no, it's got to be a trip. Now opening for, I mean, <laughs> what what is that experience like? I mean, it...
1: that was the coolest show. Yeah, so we were able to open. Carney opened for U two's final three hundred and sixty tour show. Ridiculous. And, and the bill was Carney, Arcade Fire, U <laughs> two. So it was like diverse. Oh very, <laughs> my gosh! Yeah, it was awesome. Um, it was really special, but it's. I mean, I'm giving away my, my younger brotherness yet again, but one of the most special moments that I remember to this day was I stood back while my brother sang Bohemian Rhapsody because during mm-hmm. that time of our band, we were doing that song in our set, and it was just a solo piece he would do for ah. two and a half minutes. And I took a photo of it and looked at him singing this song by himself in front of 70,000 people. It's I just thought, man, Absolutely this is so insane. cool. And I'm sure he felt the same when I stepped right. forward and took my Amelie solo in front of 75,000 people. And we, we're we're just both pretty this is the only part of the interview where i will even very slightly dip into hubris but what i love about both of us reeve and myself and the entire band carney is sure. we all of us were rather fearless we we did not seize up when the moment came we we stepped be, yeah. into into it so uh, i love that Vanna. Uh, and in fact i know this podcast is coming out after my show but sure. but uh tonight for the people who are on twitch I'm doing uh, a show of just Carney songs and I have to practice them after this interview. In fact, but that video will be up for the next, I don't know, two months, month and a half or so that's
0: awesome. on my veep. So I'll, I'll get you a link to that if you want. Absolutely, man. that That's just, mm-hmm. that's awesome. I appreciate mm-hmm. you doing that. Um, I, I think when, when the U2 and all that stuff happened and Avril Lavigne, Fergie, all that stuff kind of happened, that kind of transitioned into something that kind of goes back to a point you mentioned earlier. Social media, people online, they're watching videos, sending emails. Right. John Mayer shoots you an email. Now, when you get that email from him, I mean, you get an email from someone. Was it actually him or was it his management it was, group? Just his, his
1: team. Yeah, they said, hey, we'd yeah. like to talk to you about some work. This was in 2013. It's cool that you know all this stuff. It's awesome. No, I, love, um,
0: I love the music. Yeah, I love man.
1: But it's cool that you know about that email. Yeah, I was trying to get back into acting at that time as well, Um, and I had just left a casting director's office and Mm -hmm. was auditioning for a lot of pilots at the time, and I got that email, and that was just too exciting. When I responded, I found Mm -hmm. out that they were looking to have me play guitar and to record with him for quite a long time, and I just talked to my agents at Paradigm and said, I I think... uh, This is a real opportunity. The acting thing I do want to do, but this is an offer for something monumental Mm -hmm. with one of my, as a child, one of my favorite guitar player songwriters and as an adult now, one of my favorite people. So I was like, this just, I got to do this. And thankfully no one was upset. Although a couple of people on the team did say, well, that's cool, but you know, the acting thing is really here for you right now. So are you sure? I said, yeah, "Yeah, because I haven't gotten an offer yet for a job and I'd, I'd like to take this opportunity. I mean, I just, again, as I'm saying these things, I'm going, man, how lucky have I been that I've been right. able to be offered these, these options and choices. So I, I haven't really wrapped my head around what I can do one day to, um, I don't know, to give, to really back appreciate to, everything. Kind of. Yeah. And to be, I don't know, give back to the, to whatever it is that has allowed me these opportunities. So that's kind of where my head is today. Other days I get depressed and confused as most artists do, Not but today I'm does. going, yeah. I'm going, man, I'm so lucky. This is crazy.
0: Man. Yeah. No, I, I have people say that too sometimes when I talk to them, like they go, oh, I, I never, never thought about that. I never looked at it that way. And I'm like, well it's like, that's not the goal, but it's like, I think you, you do need to pause, take a moment and realize like, wow, I'm pretty damn blessed to have I really all these am. opportunities. But at the same totally. time, it's also important to remain grounded. Like everyone who's ever said that on my show, because at that same time, they don't even think about that. They just, you know, they're doing right. what they're doing. Right. Um, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, if, if everyone could be have an ego and you know talk about it twenty four seven, it's like okay, we get it. Like, right, we'll, right, do something else. But um, yeah, no, you know, Paradise Valley that happens. How right. how does that work though? I mean, because I'm I'm trying to figure this out. So you you get that email, and then it was a sand, was it Sands audition or whatever that he? Yeah, how, that was what a lot is, of trust on that? his how does end. That work? I think he just, he knew about my
1: work with Carney. He knew about my work on Broadway and he had, I think, done a deep dive into YouTube videos of just seeing R&B gigs I did, gospel gigs, jazz yeah. gigs, Southern rock gigs. I mean, these are genres that I guess other people had had and I right. did whatever I do in those. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he was excited about having a band at that time that was rather genreless, because sure. sort of jammy, sort of rock, sort mm. of bl- yeah, yeah. all these things. He wanted versatility and uh, it's really, it meant a lot to me that he thought, I, he had gathered that from you listening to our records and, and mm. our stuff online and yeah i flew out to do the ellen show with him and thankfully that went well so it was, yeah this was a good choice let's keep seeing around mm. so that was kind of my audition playing on ellen with him mm, and yeah. uh i guess i mean that was the first thing i ever played in front of him and throughout really? that tour he encouraged me to just be more and more uh myself there were a couple nights on tour where i'd do a solo and and I was really not thinking about fitting into the mold. I was just doing yeah. what I do. And mm-hmm. instead of saying, slow down, calm down, You He's like, and do more. And I want you to do another solo each night yeah. on this song. I'm going to keep throwing you curveballs. I want to see what you do. Very, very cool, man. I was very lucky. Because yeah, I do that every night in my own shows. But yeah. my audience is obviously significantly Different. microscopic yeah. compared to sure. 20,000 people a night. You know, very cool. Yeah.
0: No, that's insane. So, and the cool thing is, that was actually done. That record, Paradise Valley, was recorded in Electric Lady. Um, actually, he, oh, th- th- you know what? May I? Th- geez, you've it. done so much homework. So,
1: Electric Lady, <laughs> he actually did this record with Chick Korea and Walter, like the whole crew, you know? Really? Uh, Walter. Yeah, so he did the record there. Paradise Valley, maybe he did some of it there, but
0: I, I actually recorded with him at the Village Studios. Santa oh, Monica. You know what he did? He did a lot of he, born and raised in a. That's right. That's I remember right. It was right after he had that vocal thing. Even yep, in that the granular during that album, he he almost had to stop because he had. How issues. great is that record, though? Oh my god! Oh, it's my favorite one. Like I think know, it's my favorite too. I mean, it's just the most. I think that was more of like the hey, this is this is this is the real me inside. This is me screaming to escape. But, um anyways, forget that. So you you get in there and how how does that work though like the the rehearsing those for for a tour like that I mean you're going from um, a little bit different type of production to a this type of production right. as far as rehearsing goes how how did how did all that kind of come to be man I loved the process we had so I I went straight from Spider
1: Man Turn Off the Dark where I was playing the sure. same set eight days a week so mm-hmm. six some days I was doing two shows a day Yeah. to learning 60 songs in about two weeks before our first rehearsal I would take that any day over playing the same as much as I'm grateful to Broadway and love that job I I love learning and in fact my Twitch channel which what we do a lot on there is this thing called a Live Learn mm-hmm. so a Live Learn is someone donates between $25 for this oh, wow. goofy thing called a one listen Live Learn where I just listen to a song once and play it back which is kind of a magic trick I guess interesting And then it goes all the way to a thousand bucks if you want me to spend twelve hours charting out like an Emerson, Lake, and Palmer masterpiece. Mm So we have all these gradients in between, and so I'd say when I go on Twitch four days a week, I uh, yeah most of what I do are these live learns. So I love learning songs and I love charting them out. So when I got the call to learn you know all of John's previous material and and all the Born and Raised stuff, it was fun for me. I love sitting down and understanding how things work. Again, coming back to that refrain of "I, I love learning and I'm very curious. So I love that process. And once we rehearse, I mean, I, I'm such a deliberate learner. I, I have a specific process for acting and music work mm-hmm. that allows me to show up basically on day one of rehearsal, ready for the performance. Cause I, wow. I just don't do well with uncertainty. I, I mean, in the jazz imp- improvisational sense, I love sure. uncertainty, but when it comes to being hired and having someone uh, feel calm and collected to guide the ship. If I'm a worker, if I'm a hired gun, I just, I don't want to show up not knowing what's going on. So there were times during the rehearsals with John where he would say, can you play this guitar part? And then I'd play it. And I'd actually play the other guitar part on the record. And then I'd play that. No, play the third guitar part, the yeah. high part. And I knew every guitar part on every song I had learned just because that made me feel excited and, and comfortable about with creating, you know? Just like if you're in jazz, like you don't want to improvise over a song where the changes keep changing and you have no idea what's happening. You want to know yeah, the no, changes. No, no. And yeah. then you can improvise. So, sure.
0: yeah, that's that's the way that I show up to work. Absolutely. Now, um, w- when it comes to your solo stuff, and I mean, you're, in, I mean, you're in so many projects, Evan and Zane, and then you did the the one with uh, Tommy King. Um, oh yeah. The little little thing there. I mean, when when it when it comes to doing all that, what what's the hardest part for you as far as management goes of your own self? Because I mean, self management is tough. Like, there's times. Literally, even with this show, where it's like, "Oh yeah, everything's great." I'm booking so and so. I'm booking this, and like, oh wait, I gotta slow down a minute. Like, I got too much. How do you how do you deal with everything? I mean, you have your hands in everything, literally. Man, I, I deal with it terribly. Ask yeah, my girlfriend. Too. Ask. I'm so. I'm just, and I mean this in the sense of I
1: overdo it. I have, I have a hard time saying no, and sometimes I hear this voice in my head of a reasonable friend who sure. I, is is nameless. It's just the concept of a reasonable friend saying, "You know, you gotta learn to say no." Sure. And yet in my mind, that friend has a full-time job and a salary and it's set in stone. And it's easy to say no when you have a 40-hour work week. Right. I know this from having done Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark on Broadway. I know it's easy to say no when you know that your work is being appreciated. It's being honored financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to worry about that. But when you're a freelance solo artist, I mean, I have friends who have gone from making negative 10 grand one year to 400,000 the next year because their song got picked up yeah. by some artists and got cut. So it's a very wild journey. So I have a hard time saying no. So I go, yeah. well, this could be fun. I, I wanna do this gig and I wanna do this, um, produce this artist and I want to go into the studio and make sure that this record I worked on is totally finished with hundred percent my guitars. And I have to, that means I gotta give up my off day on Sunday yeah. and go in and finish it. And I, um, so yeah, I was just talking to my to my partner a couple hours ago before this interview saying, I, I did it again, I've overdone it. I don't know how I'm gonna get everything done the next three days. Yeah. Um, So I'm constantly trying to work on that. I think for me personally, this is, I don't know that this applies to anyone else, but I've always felt that my path is much more creative than being a hired gun. And yet most of my work outside of Carney and a few other things has been hired gun. So Evan and Zane, that's creative work. And that's my band with Evan and Rachel Wood for listeners who are curious. Uh, Carney, my band with my brother Reeve and John and Aiden, obviously creative work. My solo artist stuff, obviously creative work. Um, but I've done a lot of stuff, you know, uh, being a hired gun for May or for Johnny. I've co-written with Avril, and that's also creative work. But long story short, a significant amount of my time and energy has been touring with Jesse McCartney or Renee Olstead or May or whoever mm-hmm. else. Um, and as much as I love those things, I think the path to learning to say no is going to be really putting my foot in the ground as a solo artist and releasing material I've been sitting on for six years and getting out there again. Uh, in the recorded space sure I, i've been lucky to sell out shows in l a that I should not i have no right selling out without a record out, but it 's because people in l a are very supportive and have known about Carney and other things, sure so they show up um but yeah i mean i I got to take that next step into the recorded world, and that's that's what i 'm laser focused on but i'm sorry this this answer so long, but no, even no as it's i good. even as I say that i'm currently producing an artist, and uh Jeez, we're going to finish insane. that in the next couple of days and I'm uh, doing my Twitch stuff four days a week and yeah. making sure that's consistent because that's how I'm that going to be able insane. to. It's so fun, dude. You got to come hang. I, dude, I don't that, understand
0: how you do it. It's anxiety.
1: <laughs> it's, it's intense. But yeah, then there's I I won't even list all the things that are going on, but it's been three months of me saying I need to start working on my records again mm-hmm. and I haven't done one day on them. So uh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there as fast as I can of, of learning to trust, the, um, trust that things are going to, stay stable. But again, the pandemic has, has it kicked sucks, all this me. stuff up. Yeah. Cause I'm going in. I just want to make sure I can make a living. I mean, that's what, right. what most of us I think are thinking about as musicians these days is not how do I perfectly express myself as an artist. So I'm, I'm still finding that balance, yeah. but um, I have a feeling I'll get there in the next few months.
0: I, I feel, I feel that. Yeah. No, for sure. No. Yeah. The I mean like the pandemic for me, it's like, it took me honestly, cause I'm like, I don't really do much anyway. Like I worked at a, the, I work at the Arcata theater in St. Charles. That's where I ran into you. When cool. played with that's right. So, yep. So how tell me how things have been for you, man. Well, I mean, granted, that's not my full-time job. I do have, I do have a full-time job. It's a sales job that kind of pays the bills. Great. And, but the, that part-time job was my heart. So it's yeah, like, right. you know, and people like I've gone from, I was like three shows a week. Sometimes if it's super busy, five concerts a week working, um mm. and I loved it but it took me like month seven to really right. realize how much I missed it because I never did anything like I was I outside of the theater I stayed home did nothing ever so right. it's like now it's hitting me hard like really I hard t- um so
1: my heart goes out to you man and I I relate to that man that's yeah because I, I I love being social I'm sure I remember meeting you you know you're very yeah. social when you're mm-hmm. in that space but maybe you and I were similar in high school in high school I was Talkative and connected, oh, but I would wow. go home and I
0: wouldn't have play dates because I was—I don't yes, know why. That's what it know? was for me in school. I was—I was the one that was always chiming up. But right. Every Friday night, you find me in my room. Exactly. I like never—I never—I never go out anywhere. Like I was just like, I don't want to get caught up in that. Like, yeah, same man.
1: And I got lucky because there were a lot of kids that had a tough thing and and, and had tough adult lives sure. because of, of of getting caught up in stuff. My mom kept us very safe, and we for me, it was video games. I was a Pokemon player yes. and an RPG player. Mm-hmm. And then I'd play on some jazz songs and transcribe stuff. And um, yeah, I remember actually one night I was uh, I decided to audition for Juilliard and there was a um, Charlie Parker song called Cheryl, S- mm. a- or C-H-E-R-Y-L. Um, I had never heard this head. It's a blues head apparently. Mm. And they said, oh, you need to send this in. So I transcribed it in about an hour, an wow. hour and a half. And then recorded it in my bedroom and sent it off. And my brother, I remember him saying, whoa, that's crazy that you can do that. You can transcribe that fast I don't know, man. But this is because I didn't really hang out with friends. Right. I would just come yeah. home and do this stuff. Um. So again, I'm not not trying to, you know, promote too much, but that's kind of why the Twitch thing I think works out well is because absolutely, I I love transcribing. I love that stuff. So we have fun together. But anyway, I'm I'm getting off track, man. No, it's good, man. It's tough, man, not having that community and not being able (sighs) to physically go see a show and Mm -hmm. hang out with people after. And I'm glad seven eight months in, you're finding a way. To do that, I mean, you're doing a lot more of these
0: podcasts, it seems yes, like. Yes, I started in March. What started is two weeks, and then I'm like, oh, uh-huh. I'm going to have to find more guests. Like, mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing is, when um when you mentioned how your girlfriend is, like, very, like, uh, I think you said she's like, yeah, just accept, just do it, just do it, just do it. And then eventually you kind of get lost in, in everything. It's the same situation with me. I kept accepting, accepting, accepting. I'm like, hold on, hold on, slow down. And then mm-hmm. I stopped. Like, I wasn't even mm-hmm. going to do any activity for, like, a month and a half. Like. Two days ago, I made that decision. I went on social media and said, I need to stop, figure out where I am in life and make like, I don't know, like there's so much happening. And then I had a conversation with her and she's like, she gave me a moment of clarity over the phone. I'm like, you know what? I need to do this. And it's not because for me, what I realized was when I said, hey, I need a break. I need to figure out what's happening in life. it's the messages that I got and texts and emails from people saying, right. Hey, I'm 17 years old. Um, this, this kid in Florida, his name's Lane. He's like, I love your show, man. I'm like, Oh, like, I'm like, wow. Like people, this is helping people are being them. impacted. Yep. So it's like, if I'm helping people, I'm like, oh, I don't, I always want to help people. I'm like, this is helping them get through this. Right. I have to do this. So it was like, that I, was like a moment of clarity for me.
1: I love that, man. And I, I think that'll help me. Because for me, I'm doing Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday every week. I start at roughly 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. on Twitch, and I go sometimes seven, eight, nine, ten hours. These are long streams where I'm recording, you know, music, and they're watching my recording True. process, or I'm doing those live learns, or I'm jamming along to tunes. One of the my favorite things and, and, and simplest things to do on the channel is people donate 10 bucks to have me jam over any song. So sometimes oh, we do like 30, 50 a stream, and just they just throw in the donations. I just jam along to it. Um, so long story short, uh, what I've heard a lot in the chat and I, the chat, we're live on Twitch right now as well. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. They can hopefully attest to this, but yeah, we've kept each other company and it, it's sure. meaningful and it means a lot to me to, for, in this crazy time to still have at least one person, maybe who I'm slightly, barely helping their day be a teeny bit better. I'm like, sure. that's, that's good. Cause they're helping my day be better. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, they're, they're being generous with allowing me to keep this channel running basically right. by by paying for these uh, menu items, as I call them. And, and then I'm trying to give them back something in return. So, and you're doing something great too, man. People are listening and giving you listenership and that helps you grow this thing. And then you're providing them with these conversations. It's awesome, man. Yeah. And, and you
0: know, your stuff, you, you've seen these acts live, like all of them, you know, it's awesome. It's so cool. Yeah, for sure. You know, and to, to kind of, before I wrap things up here, there was one other moment in the show and it happened kind of early on for me when I, When i started the podcast was when i talked to bobby rush there was Mm. um there was a moment in there at the end of the call and he goes you know what like he he like got off track he goes you know who i appreciate the most people like you the young ones still supporting the blues there's nobody who's ever wanted to talk to me that young and i was just like i had a moment i'm like okay maybe like there's this responsibility because as time goes on i mean All we have left of the old, like the first wave is Buddy Guy Bobby Rush. And well, for Chicago, 91 year old Jimmy Johnson, like Rush's gone. Everyone's leaving us. It's like maybe I have this responsibility that I have to branch out and keep all this. Spreading the good news, man. Yeah. Wow. It's just absolutely crazy. But I can't thank you enough for actually, we finally got this to happen. I'm so So glad we finally did, man. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I was looking at my emails, and go, dang, like when Johnny came to the House of Blues, it was last August. Yeah. We're like, I remember I texted you.
1: We were going to do this in person. Yes. I I know. I
0: was like, I never have, but it happened now Um, in, I think the, the, the chase to have the interview finally happen ended in the most perfect spot, 2020, like, yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, But uh, no, this has been great. I, I really appreciate you doing this my absolute pleasure man thank you for you know
1: learning so much about my sure. life and and bringing these questions in this is so awesome absolutely and man. i and i hope we'll see you over on uh, on twitch well, we, we're going to we hang out quite a bit man we have some fun yeah, times yeah i saw your schedule yeah and, and if you ever want me to to put you down for one of these shows on uh, on mondays i'm doing this monday night residency on oh, veeps wow this okay. website. They do live streaming tickets. another thing you do. Jesus. I know. Well, th- <laughs> the thing about this, though, is I'm just, you know, kind of trying to, to continue to keep my solo artist stuff alive. Yeah. So every Monday night, I do a themed concert oh, wow. for 90 minutes. And it's been so fun. We have so much fun. And uh, I think I might extend it into 2020 until the pandemic restrictions lift for live touring. Sure, yeah. My plan was just to do it till the end of 2020. but right. I didn't think about how winter's the worst time for viruses, so yeah, it's probably totally, going to be weird until April, May, June. Who knows? Yeah, it's way um, worse now. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so I'm just going gonna, gonna to keep doing them, but uh, yeah, man, I'd love to have you at one of the shows. Oh, man, that'd be, that'd They're fun. be an absolute
0: trip. I, yeah. I really appreciate you doing this.
1: Yeah, man, my pleasure.
0: Thank you guys so much for tuning in. That was my interview with the great Zane Carney. If you're new to the show, thank you so much. Be sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify and iHeartRadio. And hit that subscribe button on YouTube because guess what? All of the interviews are up there as well. And starting with Zane's video interview up there right now. Video interview of me and Zane talking about music. about about the show, like it's up there. You could check it out. We're going to have video content coming at you every single week. Um, but yeah, it's going to be straight video from here on out. It's going to be so much fun. All thanks to you guys for giving me the creative, you know, mindset and opportunity to grow with the show. You guys have made me so much better of a person and I can't thank you guys enough. So thank you so much for tuning in. Visit www.themondaymorningblues as well to listen to all of our previous uh, week shows and find out more information on all of our guests. You can shop some merch if you want. Holidays are right around the corner. You can get it in this week, and it will be there by Christmas, so that's exciting. But don't wait. Wednesday is a cutoff, so if you get stuff on our site Make sure it's before Wednesday so you get it in time for the holidays. But thank you guys so much. Y'all have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. And we will see you in 2021 on the Monday Morning Blues. Stay safe and be well.